Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch London. For more information and resources, please go to ChristchurchLondon.org. against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against, that, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything uh, to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the Uh, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I may fiercely uh, make known the mystery of the gospel. Please welcome Lars. I'm sure we'll unpack that terrible reading. (laughs) Thank you very much, and uh, good afternoon. It's really good to see you all. And uh, I've been looking forward to share this talk with you this afternoon. I have practiced at two other services, so it ought to go really well, but we'll see about that. Um, So um, I've been working on this uh, part of of Ephesians for a while now, and... uh, I've been, noticed, I've been noticing how Paul is responding to this himself, which has quite a, been a new perspective for me on this, uh, which was why I added this extra verse, which I am sure that you noticed. Um, how did he respond to this? Being in this battlefield, experiencing um, these challenges and um, focusing on this full armor of God. Well, obviously, he felt that this was not something which was only about him and some spiritual forces and God, but he felt that he needed to involve community as well. So he said, pray for me. I need you guys. That's kind of what he's saying. In this battle that I am experiencing, I need other people to stand with me as well. There is this fantastic armor, but I also need you and I need your prayers. And then he has this specific prayer that I also noticed in a new way, actually, to be able to fearlessly present the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And honestly, previously, when I've been reading that, I probably have been reading this as this kind of leader guy. So I've been thinking like, yeah, that's his project, that is, big, that is his big plan to kind of spread these things around uh, this area where he was in. So this was all about finding success in this project that was important to him. But actually this morning when I was praying and thinking about this, I realized this is something completely different going on. What Paul is actually expressing here, I really believe would be two major passionate love stories going on in his life. The first story is his encounter with Jesus Christ. And he he describes that other places in the New Testament. And that is really a big love story. He's 
completely overtaken by the love of Jesus Christ. And his heart is set on fire by that encounter, and it totally changes his life. But there's also another love story going on in the life of Paul, which is his love for other people. And he wants those two stories to merge. So he wants that wherever he is, these two stories will come together and other people will experience exactly the same thing that he experienced himself. That is really what is going on in this passage. And he said, I need this armor and I need people to stand with me in this battlefield. And before exploring this a little bit further, related to this, I had an experience of my own a couple of months ago. And as some of you know, uh, I have it as part of my yearly rhythm to go on a silent retreat where I go completely offline. I know for some of you that sounds like really a nightmare, but I do. Uh, and I try to give space to pray and read and reflect and meditate and write. Um, and this year, a couple of months ago, as I was praying um, for us as a church community, I felt like I was interrupted by a sentence coming very clearly into my mind. And it wasn't like a chain of thoughts leading to this sentence. It was just coming like this. And it went like this, that after the wind comes the fire. And I was a bit mystified when I kind of sensed this sentence going on in my mind. So I kept praying over this sentence, this word, and felt reminded about different characteristics of the Holy Spirit, which we read in the Bible. One of them being that he is a cleansing fire and an equipping fire in terms of our testimonies, our stories about Jesus Christ. And I was reminded of the story of Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament where we read about the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples as a flame of fire uh, spreading out and placing itself on the shoulders of everyone present in that room. It was very personal. It sat on their shoulders and it was very visible. And as I was reflecting on this and I kept praying on this, I was reminded of an experience I had on that very, at that very same place a couple of years ago. I met this guy, and I think we have a picture of him coming up here. Well, not exactly that guy, but that was the only thing I could find on Google. But a guy like him, a bit, a, a bit younger version, who went around in the city of Funchal with this big eagle on his shoulder. It was an odd thing to see. And if you ask me to describe this young man, uh, what his hairdo was like, I would be completely unable to describe that to you. If you ask me to tell about what kind of clothes he was wearing, I wouldn't have a clue. The only thing I could tell you about this young man was that he is the guy with the eagle on the shoulder, right? That was his story. That was the story of him. And really, I believe that is what is going on in Paul's life. There's only one story that he wanted to signify his life, which was the story of Jesus Christ. That was a fire burning in his heart. And he didn't want that fire to burn out or go out. He wanted it to be clear, the testimony of Jesus Christ in his life. And I know that for some of us, these are really strange words. I realize that. But perhaps most of us recognize the need to be cleansed 
on the inside. Maybe we have this sense of our inside being a bit like muddy waters. That too many things that we don't really identify with are actually going on in our emotional life and in our thought lives. And maybe even there could be quite a few of us identifying with the simplicity of the image of the eagle on the shoulder, the longing to be carriers of a story that is greater than our own. I think that quite many of us, we experience this distance between what we really would like our lives to look like and then the reality of how we experience life. And one of the biblical explanations to that is that we are in a battlefield. Jesus says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So today, this is what we're going to focus on. The attack that some of us experience in this life. And we will look at the sword of the Spirit, what that really is. And then we will see how can we make use of this sword. Then finally, we will pray. And there are two kinds of prayers that I would like to lead us in today. And I know that Johnny will pick up on that prayer and will be part of that as well. Um, and the first prayer is actually a prayer for those of us who have been exploring faith for a while. So we have some head knowledge about Christian faith, but it hasn't really come down here to our hearts. But I believe that today that maybe some of us who are ready to make the commitment, some of us who are ready to say, well, I want it to be more than something that goes on up here. I actually want a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there is another prayer that I think we are going to pray today, and which would be for those of us who feel like, my life is too muddy, too many things going on. I want more simplicity. I want this burning fire. I want to be ignited with the love of Jesus Christ. I want to have a big eagle on my shoulder, the story of who Jesus is, and I want to carry that with me. And for th some of us, that is a renewing fire coming to us. Been there before, but we just realize we need to get back to that again. Is that all right? That's a recipe for this afternoon. So first, what are those battles that we experience? And I have named it the battle of narratives. Because it seems to me that that is the overarching battle that we experience in this life. Narratives coming against us and narratives coming from the inside. The narrative psychologist Dan McAdams says that it is through narrativity that we come to know, understand, and make sense of the social world. And it is through narratives and narrativity that we constitute our social identities. Paraphrasing the words of another psychologist, Roy Soma, he says that we are surrounded by at least four levels of narratives, and one of them being the narratives that we use to make sense of our lives and act in our lives. And he would say some of those narratives would be the narratives of commercials. We are surrounded by those, thousands of them, millions of them. 
What stories do they tell us? Basically, they all tell us false stories about what we need to make us happy. They tell stories of something is always lacking in our lives. And in a way, we do know that they are not true. I know that if I buy this shampoo and use it, I'm not going to look like George Clooney, however much I would really like that. Every time I go to the hairdresser, I say, just make me look like him, and this is what came out of it, you know. <laughs> Doesn't really work, does it? And we know that, but we are still affected by this. They are constant creators of discontent in our lives. And they have the effect of a virus or, or a yeast. They, they don't limit themselves to be in one area of our lives. They seem to contaminate our lives. The other day I was speaking to someone who told me that she was always having this urge to experience more, to see more. It was never really good enough. And this, this was actually talking about her spiritual life. And we talked about, well, sometimes it's actually good just to relax, sit back, and be grateful for what is right now in this moment. And to say, it's enough. It's enough. We're surrounded by those narratives. And we are also surrounded by cultural narratives that would tell us how our lives should look like, whatever stage of life we find ourselves in. And if we don't match the picture, if we haven't found the right partner, if we don't have enough followers on Twitter, I have five now, so I'm really proud. And if we aren't on track with, you're not on it, Johnny. You're not my follower on Twitter. I'm still, <laughs> still waiting for you. <laughs> if we aren't on track with our career, if we aren't on the property ladder of London, something is wrong. These cultural narratives are the story of never really having achieved enough. And you know, no matter how much you achieve, they will still be chasing you. They will still have another story about what you still need to achieve, no matter how far you go. I met up with um, a guy uh, some months ago, and when we sat down and I heard his story, there were so many good narratives in his story. So many, thing, so many exciting things going on in his life. But the only story that really meant something to him was that he was not yet having a girlfriend. And he was like, at my age, I should have one. So that was kind of the cultural narrative telling him, you need to have a girlfriend when you are at this age. So he allowed that narrative to become the big narrative of him. Overlooking all the other great narratives going on in his life. So we are under pressure from cultural narratives, from commercial narratives, and we are under pressure from what could be described as the peak or maybe just the other side of the peak of postmodern influence which started in the late 1940s in the wake of the two world wars. This is a culture that is characterized by the idea that there is no absolute truth. And therefore it disqualified and dismantled the big narratives. 
And by doing that, it ended the idea of the possibility for me to find my story in a story greater than myself. It basically tells me the story that I am on my own. I become the story. I become the center of my own universe. And this is probably the main reason why so many in our generation are haunted by a sense of being alone and feeling really alone. There's really a massive attack going on around us, isn't there? A massive attack on our sense of self, our sense of identity. And there's really nothing new in this. This was exactly how Satan, the enemy of God and us, attacked Jesus when he was in the desert. We read this story in the New Testament. Jesus had just heard the narrative from his heavenly father at his baptism at the river Jordan. And that narrative went like this, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. That is a good story, isn't it? Well, then Satan came to Jesus and questioned the truth of the narrative, saying, if you are the son of God, attacking directly the identity. It's actually one of the names used of Satan in the Bible. He who wants to steal your identity. Of course, we will experience these things differently. But this whole sense of our self being under attack is something that I hear as a common story for most of us. It seems like human condition. Well, the good news is that there is a powerful armor which has been provided for us. And part of that armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So what is that sword, really? And to put it simply, it's a powerful weapon against these attacking narratives. How so? Well, it gives us a completely different narrative. This story of the Bible is the story of who God is, the story of how he formed us, how he saw us, how he loved us, how he gave himself for us. It's a story of where we come from, who we are and where we are headed. It's not a story of what we lack, but it's a story of what has already been given to us. It's a very different story, isn't it? In this story, I am not the main attraction. Jesus is. I am not in the center. Jesus is. It doesn't begin with me. It begins with him. It doesn't end with me. It is being fulfilled in him. It's a very different story. It tells the story of my story being hidden in the story of Jesus. He was before me, he is with me, he has gone ahead of me, and he is waiting for me. He is the head of his body, the church, and I am just a part of that body. A tiny bitty part of his universal body. I am created in the image of Jesus Christ. And everything that is true of me is also found in him. He is my only true comparison, and yet... He is so much greater than I am. 
Paul narrows all of this down in one very essential sentence in the first chapter of Ephesians, saying that he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is the gospel. More than anything, he actually saved me from myself, from the pressure of having to save myself, form myself, find meaning by myself. He saved me from the pressure of being big and being in the center. It's a complete opposite narrative than the one that surrounds us. His story helps us to see how small we are and rejoice at it and see how great he is. And rejoice in it. John the Baptist in the New Testament, he says it's like this. He said, he must become greater and I must become less. Paul agrees when he says, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. So when Paul in the letter to Ephesians talked to us about growing up to him who is the head of the church, Christ, he says he's talking about actually becoming less and by becoming less, becoming more. Isaac of Syria, who was a bishop in Nineveh in the 7th century and who is a strong voice in the whole contemplative spirit, spirituality, expressed it like this. He said, let go of yourself and your enemy will be gone. Come down and peace from heaven and earth will come to you. Penetrate the treasure of your heart and you will see the treasure of heaven. These two are one and the same. When you penetrate the one, you will see the other. I know these are really mystical words, but it's actually two narratives coming together. That is his whole point. That is the whole point of community, of the communion, that we eat the body and the blood, we drink the blood of Jesus Christ. It's two narratives becoming one narrative. For some of us, this is quite new, and for some of us, this is really well known. But still, even though how well known it is, sometimes it's easy for us to forget about it. In Romans chapter 8, Paul asked this question. He said, what can separate us from the love of Christ? And his answer to the question was, nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. There aren't any powers strong enough to separate us from that love. What then? Well, probably ourselves. Sometimes we become the thing that block us from receiving, experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. It happens to us so easily. If there is no power that really can separate us from the love of Christ, what is it then that attacks us? Well, the only real attack is actually false story, lies that comes towards us. And beneath those stories are underlying questions, questions like, does God really love me? Does he really know me? Does he really care? Does he really like me? Does he really see me? 
And these questions in themselves, when I start to dwell on them, when I allow them to become a pattern of my thoughts and emotions, then they become narratives that stand between me and this love of Jesus Christ, the story of him. And it happens so easily. I remember a time when uh, my wife and I, we went through a period which was really difficult. We, one of our children had a really challenging time. And we found it really painful. And it was just a really hurting period in our life. And it went on for quite a long time. And without really realizing it, there was a story building itself up in me. I had this mental image of me and my wife sitting there with this whole painful situation. And then Jesus standing over there in the corner. And he wasn't even looking at us. He was looking the other way. That was the narrative that had built itself in my life. He doesn't see us. He doesn't really care about this. I don't know why, but it seems like he doesn't care. What changed? Well, I actually had an encounter with this sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I was on a walk, and I was praying, and suddenly I was reminded actually of this picture that we see in Ephesians about Jesus being the head of the body. And suddenly I realized he's not standing over there. He is the head of the body, and I am part of that body. Whatever I feel, he feels even more. He is the central nerve system. So for him, the emotion is even stronger than the emotion I go through right now. And I realized the pain that I feel on behalf of my child, he feels exactly the same pain on behalf of me. That changed the whole narrative. And suddenly that false narrative came out of the way and I was able to embrace the love of Jesus Christ again and start walking with him through the pain and through the suffering. We find ourselves in these kind of battlefields, don't we? But the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is an amazing sword. In Hebrews, it's described as a double-edged sword, which means that it goes both ways. It's a powerful weapon in connection with these narratives coming towards us that surrounds us, but it's also a powerful weapon when it comes to the narratives that build up within us. The Word of God tells the story of us. Therefore, living life to the full is living the life of that story. I find my story in a story of someone else. Therefore, the secret to finding myself is not to become bigger. It is not to be the main character in my own universe. The secret is Christfulness. By the Holy Spirit and through his word, to grow up to him by letting him become greater as I become smaller. This is actually true happiness. This is true life fulfillment. It can't really be explained. It actually has to be experienced. And that leads us to the third and final question for today. How can we take this sword of the Spirit, the Word of God? And I will briefly give you three pieces of advice. And the first advice is, shut the front door. 
Yeah, I have just been looking forward to be able to use that sentence for a long time. I heard it for the first time a year ago, and I just loved that sentence. I know it's kind of an expression of surprise, isn't it? But I just love that sentence. Shut the front door. Uh, and I have big biblical grounds for this advice, so don't worry. Uh, in Psalm 1, which is uh, a description of our relationship with the Word of God, it says like this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. And translating that into good English everyday language, it actually means shut the front door, or just shutting the door. Reduce the number of inputs and watch over the quality of the inputs that we surround ourselves with. There is a principle of proportion at play here. Guess what? The narratives that you fill yourself with the most, those are the narratives that in the end of the day will decide how you relate to yourself, to God, and to other people. That is simply how it is. So a good advice for all of us is to just pause for a moment today and just reflect. Are there areas of my life, are there narratives that I have allowed to come too close to me where I need to shut the front door? Simply say, enough is enough. I will not live in this narrative any longer. I will not accept this narrative any longer. That is not going to define my life. Principle number two, find delight in the Word of God. We find that in Psalm 1 as well. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Strong promises, isn't it? It's really not about how many chapters we read in the Bible. It's about how we do it. Find delight in the Word of God. In my experience, I have to go through a discipline of reading to get to that place. Uh, and we are all different, I know, but for me, that has been the case. It's always at the other end of some kind of discipline, some kind of choice as to how will I relate to this Word of God? How do I put it into system in my way of living? How do I start my day? How do I end my day? How do I allow that to be the most fundamental story narrative of my life? For me, discipline is needed with this. And I am a Dane, you know, and we Danes, we are the happiest people on earth. So discipline is really not very high on the list. We love to hang out. We, we love to drink a good beer and have a coffee and all of that. So I know I need a lot of tools to help me to keep on having disciplines in my life. And I use all the tools that I can get. Um, but at the other end of the discipline, I find delight in the word of God. Steve, will you come up and join me? Principle number three. Read, repeat, and speak the word of God. I have a friend, uh, a Nigerian friend, whose name is Tunde Bolanta, and he's a leader of a church planting moving, movement in the northern part of Nigeria. And to be around him is like being uh, around a doctor with a prescription pad. But instead of prescribing medicine, he is prescribing verses from the Bible and he does that quite a lot, not only when he does ministry, but that's kind of part of how he does things. Uh, 
His experience is very simply that there is an ever-present power of the Word of God. And when we take it, read it, choose to believe in it, the Holy Spirit uses it as a sword to attack that which attacks us. You can start playing now, Steve. You play so well. <laughs> so I will give you just a few examples of this. And as I'm giving these examples, you might want to just relax. And if some of them are fitting to your situation, you just you might want to just close your eyes and just receive the words that come to you now. What I will present are examples of the sword of the Spirit and how it actually can work powerfully into areas of our lives. So when people came to this man with physical illnesses, he would typically give them scriptures like Isaiah 53. So if you are sick now, you can receive these words from Isaiah 53. It says, surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Or when we feel attacked by fear, a scripture like 27, Psalm 27, and we have already heard part of that psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army beseech me, my heart will not fear. Or if we feel distanced from God or doubt that God is for us, a scripture like this from Romans 8, Romans 8 what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We shut the front door. We find delight in the Word of God. We read it. We repeat it. We speak it. These are well-proven spiritual principles. And they lead us to a place where we are not reading the Word of God alone any longer. It is like Jesus is reading alongside with us. He who is the Word himself. And I get to this place in my heart and I discover I am not alone in my heart. Jesus is there with me. I find the treasure within me. And I become smaller and smaller, but I do that with a great delight because it is in the shadow of Jesus who becomes greater and greater. This is where I find the heavenly treasure. This is where I find peace, by being a tiny, bitty part 
of his story. I become smaller and the eagle on my shoulder becomes greater. Should we stand and pray? And if you will, it can be a good idea just to close our eyes and just allow ourselves to be in this room and allow God to do whatever he wants to do in our lives. And for us who may have been exploring faith in Jesus for a while and feel that now is the time for me to say yes to him, you can pray this, pray this prayer in your heart with me. I will pray slowly so you have time to repeat the sentences on your inside and you're welcome to say them out aloud too if you want to do that. This is the prayer. Jesus, I come to you. Forgive me the things that I have done or not done that have harmed others and myself and you. I want to know you and I want to belong to you. I want to receive the love that you have for me and the forgiveness you have for me today. Amen. And then for those of us who have the longing to be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit, the cleansing fire of the Holy Spirit, the equipping fire to be testimonies of Jesus Christ wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we study. Father in heaven, I thank you that you are here with your wonderful love for us. You see us. You love us and you receive us. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, you who sacrificed yourself for our sake because you loved us so dearly, thank you that you are in this room with us right now. And you invite us to join into your big story. Jesus, I love you and I adore you. Holy Spirit, you who are the wind and the fire. Thank you that you are here in this room right now, hovering over us, working in our lives and on our hearts. And for all of us who have this longing, come Holy Spirit with your fire upon us in this very moment. Cleanse us in the area where unclean narratives have, allowed to, have been allowed to stay for too long. Release us from the lies that have crept on on the inside. Thank you for your cleansing power to go through us in this very moment. Holy Spirit, for those of us who have kind of drawn back from being the carriers of the story of Jesus Christ, thank you for coming upon us and igniting us with that fire of you again. We love you, we honor you, and we praise your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit ChristChurchLondon.org.